Spotlights is a series of online events and publications focusing on a particular group of victim survivors who are often hidden from services. As part of Safe Life Spotlight on domestic abuse and young people, this week my colleague Deirdre has come to London to speak to Helen Bonnick about child-to-parent violence. Helen has worked as a social worker since 1983, but since completing her MA in parent abuse in 2004, she has dedicated her career to helping professionals, young people and their parents better understand and respond to child-to-parent abuse through her website, Holes in the Wall. Today we'll be exploring what child-to-parent violence is, who it affects and what professionals can do to support both parents and young people. We hope you find it both interesting and informative. Helen, thank you for meeting with me today. Can you start out by telling us um, what inspired you to work specifically on parent abuse? Hi Deirdre, it's lovely to be here today and I want to thank you for inviting me. Uh, what um, my very first experience of this probably was when I was uh, working as a social worker in the early 1980s and uh, a parent came in who was being uh, attacked on a regular basis by her teenage son and at that time we really uh, had very little broad understanding of what was going on and we weren't sure how to really help her when it seemed such an intractable problem and we referred her then to um, what was uh, the equivalent of child and uh, adolescent mental health services and the kind of sense that we couldn't really offer her anything proper or understand it really stuck with me and I, I kind of got a bit between my teeth I couldn't put it down then and so uh, I've kept going with it. So a lot of people listening maybe won't have heard as of child-to-parent violence as a set definition, and some may not associate it with domestic abuse, which is usually understood as violence perpetrated by an adult. How would you define child-to-parent violence, and how is it associated to domestic violence? Uh, so one of the difficulties that we have in talking about this issue is that there is no agreed or official definition though there are very similar ones in common usage. And uh, I counted up once that I came to somewhere between 30 and 40 different phrases and titles that people were using. And so it is very difficult to to bring thoughts together and get a consistency in this. Um, In terms of a definition, the most encompassing one that I use is from uh, an academic called Amanda Holt. And she's a criminologist and psychologist who wrote the first academic book about child-to-parent violence. So the description she uses is a pattern of behaviour instigated by a child or young person which involves using verbal, financial, physical and or emotional means to practice power and exert control over a parent. And later on she says the power that is practised is to some extent intentional and the control that is exerted over a parent is achieved through fear such that a parent unhealthily adapts his or her own behaviour to accommodate the child. I think a lot of people listening think of teenagers and think of the fact they're going through a lot hormonally, emotionally, developmentally, and that it seems almost normal that they might lash out at times towards their parents or carers. So what would you say is the line between kind of normal teenage behaviour and actual abuse? 
I think that's the thing where lots of people will say, well, all teenagers do that, all kids do the same thing, mine were like that, you're just not doing it properly. Um, and I think it's important to underline that we're not talking here about things like slamming doors, refusing to cooperate, uh, or some choice language every now and again. But we're talking about persistent, escalating, undermining and vicious behaviour, uh, which may include threats with knives, it might include serious physical assault needing hospital attention, um, theft of, of valuables, or really problematic damage to property. Um, for me, the defining issue, setting this aside from normal teenage issues, whatever they might be, uh, is the way that parents have to change their own behaviour because of the fear that they feel by, mm. because of what's going on. Okay. Um, and the next question I have linked to that is, is what does it look like? <laughs> so there's obviously going to be a difference in what we see if we talk about very young children and we talk about teenagers because of... Um, both the power that they have by mm. their strength and their size and also um, an awareness of what they, what's going on for them. But we're talking about the full range of, of verbal, physical, emotional, financial and to a smaller extent sexual abuse. Mm. And that, there's limited documentation about sexual abuse but it is um, happening and perhaps, perhaps less documented because it's, um, it's so much more difficult to talk about. For yeah. parents, um, but I have spoken with parents who've experienced that from from their children. Um, the way a child talks to or about a parent can be very undermining and humiliating. Um, they may start with pushing or kicking, but it might escalate to pushing a parent downstairs, um, causing broken limbs, um, black eyes. There might be attacks with weapons, and knives seem to be a particular common kind of, of weapon that's used. In this country, it's certainly. Um, damage to property might include really deliberate destruction of, of a parent's treasured possessions, uh, or, it, or it might be random kicking of holes in walls and doors. Uh, it might involve wrecking a car. It might involve the theft of money or jewellery. And threats themselves, just on their own, even if... Um, this, they're not carried through can be really harmful because there's no way of knowing actually what is going to happen. Um, children have talked about making allegations of, of abuse against parents and, and that's a real um, issue of control and retaliation. Um, and so elements of, of what we now recognise as coercive control will be included in that and we can find um, parents that are extremely isolated as a result of what's going on in the home. Gradually the, the child assumes more power, the parents feel as if they have less power in what's going on and in determining things. So as it's most extreme, parents might fear for the safety of themselves, for other family members. Um, siblings are, are a real issue in time to keep other children safe. Yeah. Um, and pets can be really badly injured. Um, the difference is I guess from, from adults will be in terms of the strength of the perpetrator. Um, but then also in the way we go on to understand the need for control and, and the intent, I think, behind the violence is, is something that we're just starting to understand and unpack. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. I think a lot of people listening are domestic abuse practitioners, so it was MARAC coordinators, things like that. And they might be used to advising victims of domestic abuse on their options based on leaving the relationship 
or putting distance between themselves and, and the perpetrators, maybe going into refuge, maybe getting a civil order or going to the police and pursuing some sort of criminal justice remedy. I'm guessing that's not as straightforward for a parent, especially when they have mm-hmm. um, parental responsibilities yeah. and the relationship is completely different. So what are the safety planning options for them? Why is it difficult for them yeah. to get away? Well, you've, you've already highlighted some of the issues there yourself. Yeah. And there are some um, big differences, but some of it's going to look quite familiar as well, I guess. So parents will be encouraged to talk to, to friends and family and other trusted um, people, so perhaps someone at school, mm. um, and talk about what's happening. And there's something really important in terms of breaking secrecy there, because it, that makes a statement in itself that it helps the parents acknowledge what's going on as a real issue, a real mm. abusive issue. Uh, but that can also then um, lead to a parent having emotional and practical support from these other people. It also means that um, friends or neighbours or, or, or family may be available to step in at a moment's notice. So a parent may then more easily be able to phone up a sister, a mother, someone and say, I need you to take so-and-so tonight. Yeah. Um, can you come and get them now? Mm. Help, I really need someone else in the house with me now mm. to um, make a stand and to make a statement about what's going to happen. And um, parents themselves will say that's the most the most valuable thing for them is often to have somebody who understands what's going on, who listens to them and believes them and can come and stand with them mm. and support them in those issues. Um, a lot of you mentioned... Um, the police and of course parents don't really want to criminalise people and we don't really have effective criminal justice solutions Um, there are um, increasing numbers of young people who are actually being prosecuted now for for child to parent violence rather than it just emerging later on once we start working with young Mm. people but generally speaking, parents want to avoid that because they understand that, that a child who becomes involved in the criminal justice system, there's not always brilliant outcomes. But what a lot of parents have found is that it's really helpful to speak with their local safer neighbourhood or police officers. Mm. And depending where you live, you may know them quite well. Um, and if they have information in advance, that can prevent what might sometimes be a less than helpful response in a crisis. So that's two things. <laughs> um, and then obviously locking away potential weapons. So um, if, you can, if you've got all the kitchen knives in your room and they're locked away, that's going to make life a little bit safer. Um, one of the major differences that you've touched on is that parents are not in a position to leave yeah. and actually have legal responsibilities for the care of the child mm. who's abusing them. And... Um, in this country we've kind of moved away from punishing parents through the courts for their own abuse yeah and I think um, domestic abuse practitioners working with um, adult victims who are experiencing abuse from adult perpetrators um, often spend a lot of time with their clients talking about um, the intentional exertion of power and control and that one of the tactics is this idea that they will change that if they stick with them they will change they will get better um you know it's maybe their childhood experience or something like that that needs to um be addressed for them to then get better and we spend a lot of time saying actually we know from domestic homicide reviews that um the abuse gets more severe and more frequent as it goes on and that um their behavior might not change Mm -hmm. 
is that different with um, child to parent violence? Is there hope that you know that, that they can change? Um, we do see families who are just gritting their teeth and are holding their breath until the child reaches eighteen and they yeah. can just say goodbye, and that's yeah. that's really sad. Um, but we also know uh, that there are, are things coming into play which we need to consider. So. First of all, some, the children, a lot of the children themselves aren't happy with what's going on. They acknowledge mm. that this is a, a, not the way they, they want to be behaving and yeah. it's not the kind of healthy family relationships that they want. The, that kind of distortion of power isn't a comfortable experience for them yeah. either. Um, they perhaps don't feel safe um, themselves, but they might feel um, trapped into that pattern of behaviour mm. um, because of what's going on for them. So... We also need to think about children's brains, their behaviour, their understanding of everything. It's all changing very rapidly at this time of their life. Yeah. And so there is a real possibility for change uh, if they can have the right support and the intervention. And that is the key thing, I think, that without um, the right support and intervention, perhaps we are, we will just see a kind of inexorable escalation and, mm. and um, sad, sad outcomes for the families. And I think for a lot of people listening, um, child-to-parent violence is a very new concept for them. I'm guessing that doesn't mean that it's a new problem. It's just <laughs> now being recognised. Yeah. I think it's it's certainly come to widespread attention only recently. Okay. Um, if we look at academic literature, then there have been people researching and writing about it since the late 70s. Okay. Um, but most of the work... Uh, has taken pl- place in the last um, five to ten years. Yeah. And over the last couple of years, uh, we've had some serious campaigning which has, has led to coverage in the local and national media. And some of that's been good and positive. Yeah. Uh, some of it not so sadly, depending yeah. on which media are picking up. Yeah. Um, but there have been some really um, good interviews on local radio stations where mm-hmm. uh, parents have been interviewed and then organisations that are supporting them as well. Um, but the way we understand and describe what's happening has certainly changed. And, um, yeah, the way we, we interpret what's happening. Mm. Uh, so it's quite a complicated situation going on. And really, it's tempting to say it's increasing. But ultimately, at the, bo- the bottom line is we don't know because we don't really know how much there is going on. Yeah. Um, one of the experts that we're talking to through the spotlight um, has done quite a bit of research on adverse childhood experiences yeah. and how that links into um, a young person either experiencing domestic abuse and being a victim or being a young person who harms. Yeah. Do you see any kind of correlation, causation between young people who are um, abusive to their parents and their own um, exposure to domestic I abuse? Certainly, there's. Um yeah, there's, there's perhaps about half of the, the cases that we're looking at. Yeah. Um, if you look at all the, again, if if you look at all the data that we can um, gather and different research projects mm. and see what's going on for families, where um, where researchers have spoken to parents and have looked at the profiles, it it seems like in about half the cases there would have been previous experience of domestic violence. Wow. Um, but of course not all young people that experience domestic violence will go on to be no. abusive and not all people who are abusive will have experienced that and you mentioned the, the adverse childhood experiences and there yeah. are many other similar experiences yeah. which can be uh, influential so for that yeah, must be very difficult 
from parents because as a parent you already feel a lot of guilt and responsibility for how your child turns out but then if your child is then exposed to domestic abuse within the home and then they exhibit that behavior as well it must be even more stigmatizing for you to come out and talk about the abuse that you're now experiencing from your child and not feel to blame for that or responsible for it and i think that that sense of shame and that sense of blame is really powerful and people will say you know it's that kind of like you had one job was to raise this child yeah and look you know you, you they are hitting you yeah <laughs> they are abusing you and yeah. so you feel a total failure yes yeah, exactly. and so it's very difficult to ask for help mm. and um typically when people do ask for help if you go to an agency that doesn't really understand what's going on they will just pile the blame on exactly and say well go on a parenting course you're obviously not doing this properly yeah um it must be down to bad parenting mm. um it must be that you're not setting boundaries it must be that you're not being consistent um, so that's that could be really unhelpful, mm. and that will then um, make that person feel worse, yeah. and perhaps put them in a, in an even more dangerous situation. Yeah. Um, and so they then don't tell anybody the next time. So uh, there is a, a real kind of issue about why people why people don't talk about it. There's, we need to really Im- improve the understanding and awareness to help people come forward and to to feel comfortable talking about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. So just talking a bit more about the connection between um, a young person's exposure to domestic abuse and then then going on to um, cause harm as well, is it as simple as it's a behaviour that they've learned, they've seen their father do it um, or their mother do it and then they go on to do it themselves? Is it that simple? I think it's actually quite complex and it's going to be different in every case almost and certainly there will be some young people who have observed um, a parent being violent abusive towards the other parent and will have learned um, that that's what you do they will have kind of taken it on board that's how you treat my mother my uh, my father my carer Um, but for some people for some young people they will be active coaching so perhaps the, the parents have split up and they have visits to let's say their absent father and mm-hmm. there, there is um, parents will tell us their father has told them to, to do this their father has, is coaching them to be abusive yeah. towards me uh, so there will be that kind of element of, of very deliberate control of the young person to, to reenact that violence um, there will be some families where there's just a power vacuum left and the young person just kind of moves into that, that mm-hmm. place and takes on that role uh, perhaps without anyone really realising what's going on uh, but there's also uh, going to be issues around either a young person feeling very angry or frustrated with their, their uh, let's say, their mother mm-hmm. uh, for not being able to protect them during the, while the relationship was, it was going on. Or perhaps the, their, their mother is now really depressed or mm-hmm. really unable to cope with um, the, the aftermath of separation and is really struggling emotionally and with their mental health. And so there, there are all sorts of issues there. So it's, it's more complex than a straightforward learned behaviour. Um, and it will be very different in lots of different situations. But that past experience of, of domestic violence seems to be really, really important. Not, um, not exclusively, so there will be lots of other situations. Definitely. So now considering what we do know about child-to-parent violence... What would you suggest that practitioners or commissioners do to reduce the risk of child-to-parent violence mm-hmm. happening 
and to support both parents and carers, but also, of course, the young people who are causing harm. So at the moment, um, families can get very good support where, depending on where they live. And one of the issues is that it's a bit of a postcode lottery. Yeah. Depending on um, funding, depending on the awareness, depending on what particular agencies there are, are uh, in their area. And um, it's the support that's available is not exclusive to any one agency. Mm. So it depends where you live, what sort of support you get. Um, but that makes it difficult. So groups, yep. group work, I think, can be really um, supportive. And it's important to offer a holistic assessment and to look at all the issues. And we're finding that you can't deal with one issue and neglect all the others. So yeah. you might deal, we might be able to provide really good support around domestic abuse, mm. but if um, there are other issues going on for that young person and they're not also addressed, then you're not necessarily going to get the best um, solution. There are some um, bespoke programmes now uh, designed specifically for child-to-parent violence, mm. and they run typically between six weeks and 12 weeks let's say some of them are up to 20 but typically would be within that six to 12 week period with a lead in time and um, the early evidence is that those are quite helpful but of course we haven't got enough data to say that they're really strongly evidence-based or yeah. anything but we're that seems to be going well going back to what we said earlier that generally speaking parents are very loving and want to restore a healthy relationship that's what mm. we're that's what we're hoping for ultimately yeah um, and just kind of leading on from that, um, there might be a professional listening who has a parent come to them and disclose that they're experiencing child-to-parent violence. What would you say is the ideal response to that parent? What, what does that parent need maybe in that moment? Obviously, you don't know exactly yeah. what each parent needs, yeah. but kind of generally, what are some key tips? The, um, the th- what, parent, what parents always say is, I want to be listened to. Yep. Um, Respectfully, I mean, the idea of being believed is a real uh, contentious issue, I know, yeah. um, uh, across uh, the field at the moment. But parents want to be listened to and not treated as um, exaggerating or mm-hmm. making it up or, or attention-seeking or wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And often they, uh, the need to recognise that the parents are the expert, experts in their situation. And so t- just to have someone listen to you can be really... Um, empowering in itself because yeah. suddenly you're not just um, on your own in that situation and then to start unpicking what's going on yep. and to ask those questions is are you safe at the moment um, what do we need to do to help you feel more safe but then ultimately how can we how can we try and, and restore proper relationships so that might be about the holistic assessment throws up all sorts of other things and we mm. need to look at all of those as well yeah yeah. So, listen, listen yeah, first. exactly. It's what everybody wants. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. So, a, a lot of people listening, or some people listening, um, might not be practitioners mm. or professionals in the field, but just people who are interested and are part of society in our communities. Mm. So, what can they do um, to help parents and help young people mm. as well? And will I go back to the that my previous? I'm referring to my previous answer. <laughs> listen, all of us can listen. Yeah, and, and I think especially for for friends or colleagues, that's really important because you may feel you have nothing else you can give. Yeah, but to listen and to be available to a, to a parent, maybe yep. just to sit there with a cup of tea and um, 
and box of tissues may be just so important for that in that moment yep um, and not to say oh come on all children do that oh, yeah no then I think it's really tempting people think oh I must boost this person I must yeah. say oh, don't worry they're not like that all the time when they come to me they're lovely yeah. and actually that can be really that can make it worse because it's empowering yeah so yeah actually just to listen and to to yeah, to yeah. take on that pain somewhere. which is generally good advice nobody wants mm. to come to somebody with their problems and for them to be downplayed yeah. mm. um, which makes a lot of sense yeah. um, and, and lastly um, a lot of people listening will want to know where to find out more about child to parent violence so where can they go to find out more uh, <laughs> um, well I guess um, the, the shortest answer to that is to say uh, people are welcome to check out my website um, but I only say that not because I think uh, it's the most wonderful place in the world, but because I try to bring everything together in one yeah. place. And that was, is what it's about, is um, to try and make life easier for everybody else. So uh, the website has uh, um, a blog page, and then it has lots of resources for parents and for practitioners, and um, a reading list and, and various other events and pages page. great yeah. and that's holes in the wall that's holes in the wall in a .co.uk but if you put in holes in the wall it, um, that's always a bit I'm always a bit wary of that <laughs> but most people will find me in the end or I'll put in my name and it will come up as well okay I think I did that and yeah. you came up at the top ah, which is very great moved up from page 6 <laughs> grand yeah so it, yeah that's that's the easiest thing to say to people great well, thank you very much for um, joining me today and talking to me about this. It's been very interesting and informative, um, and it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much for inviting me, and I'm always really pleased to talk to people and to try and raise awareness further. Great, so are we. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more from Safe Life Spotlight on young people and domestic abuse, please go to our website, safelives.org.uk, where we'll be uploading new content every week, each exploring a different aspect of young people and domestic abuse. If you'd like to participate in the discussion, you can go to our website to sign up for the webinar on March 3rd between 1 and 2pm, and also join in the Twitter Q&A conversation on March 15th between 1 and 2pm. Just go to hashtag safeyounglives. Yeah.